Welcome to the Scariest Things podcast, your gateway to the trends and tropes of the horror genre. I'm Liz Williams, and we have a special podcast extra for you. I am here with the director, Rob Savage, from the new film, Dashcam. Hi, Rob. Hey, Thank you. Um, Okay, so our listeners will know you from 2020's most 2020 film of all host uh, it took place entirely on Zoom and in that short about 46 minute free Zoom call allowance. And now Dashcam, your 2021 film is yeah. kind of a reaction to year two of the pandemic. Yeah, it's interesting because we, sh- we actually shot it the same year as host. We okay. um, we went. We came straight off host, and uh, when when it's strange pre-production on dashcam, we shot it uh, October, November, December, kind of peppered a few days, peppered out throughout those months towards the end of 2020. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a 2021 movie. It's a it's yeah. a it's a it's a end of 2020. End of 2020. Yes. <laughs> emerging, blinking in the sunlight, out of, out of lockdown, and wondering what we're going to do with ourselves. And um, it's a uh, yeah, it's 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 almost the flip side of host. Host host um, is a very, you know, for all the demonic killings, it's quite an optimistic movie. It's back when we we're in the time of um, Zoom quizzes and mm-hmm. and and daily get-togethers and uh, you know, clapping clapping for our uh, for the for the doctors and nurses and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. um, Dashcam is the more cynical, angry cousin. Exactly. So to me, uh, host kind of felt like, oh, we were all lonely and trying to include each other and, you know, get on Zooms together and virtually socialize when, uh, or excuse me, hosts. And then Dashcam is full of uh, frenetic energy, a lot of discomfort and true full on horror. Uh, Not that hosts didn't have horror, but this has kind of a whole different breed. So can you just tell us a little summary of Dashcam for people who haven't had a chance to see it yet? Sure. So Dashcam follows Annie Hardy, who's a a LA based musician. And she decides that she's sick of lockdown life in LA and that she's going to fly over to the UK to visit an old bandmate of hers all the while live streaming it for her, for her um, followers. And, uh, she has a falling out with her old bandmate. They've ideologically divided, mm-hmm. and she ends up stealing his car and stealing his phone and hit, and uh, taking on some of his delivery jobs that come through on the phone. She turns up at uh, she turns up at a restaurant, and, and a strange woman there has a request. She says, "You know, I don't, I don't want you to deliver some food for me. Actually, could you help my friend get to this safe house on the end of town, and I'll pay you all this money." So Annie, while live streaming the whole thing, takes this this frail woman who's being pursued by someone or something on a crazy cross country horror road movie adventure. Yes. And I would say, you know, they would say like the proverbial shit hits the fan, but the actual shit (laughs) shows up in this film. It's pretty pretty bodily. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, So Annie Hardy, as you said, how did you, did you meet her first? And then you said, this is the direction or the kind of person we want this character to be, or did you and your co-writer just have an idea? And then you met Annie. Well, Jed Shepard, who's um, one of the co-writers, he produces Annie's podcast and he, he alerted me to to Annie's show, the show band car that she actually Mm -hmm. does in real life where she, rides around LA and gets her viewers to send her random words that she that she puts into these freestyle raps that she does as she drives to get groceries or, you know, to um, to go to the supermarket. And uh, 
it just seemed like a fun setup for a show. She's an incredibly fun, witty character. And to be honest, like, like I saw her live stream, Jed showed me and, and I was like, oh, I want to see her get chased by a demon. Like, what does that look like? Because she doesn't, she's not a, a conventional horror um, final girl. No. And, uh, you know, the, just the, the bizarre ways that she reacts to everything is is really fun to watch. Exactly. So um, also for people who haven't seen the film, Annie in this, you know, is playing obviously a pumped up to 11 version of a real mm -hmm. person. So she's a MAGA hat wearing uh, I won't wear my mask uh, kind of person. So yeah. how have international re uh, audiences reacted to this film? Her being a, you know, kind of quote unquote, like typical ugly American sometimes during COVID. How, how have they reacted? Because I know it's been it premiered in Toronto and yeah. you've shown it in Spain. And of course, you know, in England, in European rea European reactions have generally been been better. I think the um, we got we got a little bit of anger from some North American critics who I think weren't probably weren't ready to like have a laugh about COVID. Yeah, <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and then and then British audiences seem to just get the joke and go along with it a bit more. It's it's really it's you know like host. It's another it's another quick down and dirty improvised um you know roller coaster ride horror movie that's supposed to be taken as a bit of fun and i think yeah. audiences and audiences in the uk totally totally got that and and probably probably because audiences in the uk are much drunker than american audiences <laughs> we had we had a couple of amazing screenings at the london film festival it was rowdy and there were people yelling and screaming and laughing and uh that's really that's really how this movie's supposed to be taken yeah yeah so it's been interesting to 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 see how it gets um how people react in different corners of the world. Well, and I just got to see it. And when I was watching it, I said, you know, if I had seen this earlier in 2021, I don't know, maybe I would have been more, you know, a little sensitive. But now yeah. I was like, OK, I, I feel like I'm in on the joke. I get it. And another thing that you were able to do is uh, at the beginning, I was listening to her and I was like, man, I just want to punch her in her face. Like he, she's adorable, but man, she just <laughs> needs to get punched. You're able to turn the audience's reaction to hating this person. She's an antagonist protagonist. And then as she's going through this journey, you're so fearful, fearful for her yeah. and you become protective of her. And, you know, even though she's making these quips, the entire time. She never stops. Yeah. She is always on for her fans while she's broadcasting yeah, yeah. this. Well, that's it. I mean, like cinema is the ultimate empathy machine, especially mm -hmm. horror. You know, you put anyone in that in that kind of visceral situation and you you end up rooting for her. And I think it's yeah. a good I think it's I think it's pretty it's a pretty healthy thing right now for audiences to be able to go and see a movie with a character that they might cross the street to avoid and end up rooting for her and cheering when she, you know, when she survives. I think, um, yeah, I think that was definitely something we wanted to do. And I think also just like Annie's fucking hilarious and yeah, super yeah. talented and witty. And, and you know, no matter no matter what you think of of the politics of the character in the film, she's definitely entertaining. Exactly. Um, OK, so host, obviously, you did on Zoom. This is more of a found footage, shaky cam style, you know, still mm -hmm. uh, filmed on phones. Is that something that as we're coming out of, you know, more lockdowns and things are getting back to normal, that you want to continue uh, doing things in kind of different mediums instead of more traditional film? 
I mean, I've just finished a, I've just finished a studio movie. I've just done this Stephen King adaptation that we wrapped a few weeks ago. And it was really nice to go back to con more, more conventional mode of filmmaking. The thing I love about found footage is you just, you do away with all the bullshit of a normal mm. um, film production. You don't have hundred people standing around. You don't, you, you can make decisions on the fly. You can um, shoot with natural light. You can um, improvise and spend more time actually filming rather than more time setting up, you know, films take a long time to make and, and it's hard to keep that energy up. Whereas, host and dash cam we made them so quick we improvised them we um shot you know we shot them back to back and and really had no um none of that infrastructure which which bogs you down i i just wanted to carry on that same energy after making host do another found footage movie i think i'm probably good on found footage movies for a little while but you know it, it's always fun to do them so what are some of or who are or what are some of your horror influences when making the movie, especially in this movie? I felt like I, you know, saw a couple Easter eggs. You know, you had Timberline Road and oh, yeah. I got yeah. a little bit of the VHS Safe Haven uh, vibe during one of the scenes. And oh, we totally rip off Safe Haven. Safe Haven. <laughs> when I uh, was yeah. able to read, you know, closer, some of the comments you had one of the person was holla at, or at holla tie west and yeah, uh, yeah. so this movie is basically the 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 way that we pitched it to blumhouse is it's like we said it's like a found footage version of house of the devil but set in a moving car yeah okay all right because that's basically we basically stole the setup for house of the devil and just like <laughs> applied it to a horror road movie but um that really the influences for this movie like i wanted you know, we just come off host, which was like a very, like it was very well received. And it was, it was much more of a kind of hushed whispering kind of movie, much more in that paranormal activity vibe. Mm -hmm. And I was really inspired by kind of like bloated over the top black comedy horror sequels from the eighties. Like, um, uh, you know, where you have a very kind of a much kind of classier, more respectable, much more low key first movie. And then the second movie that, you know, the director got given a bunch of money and they went, made, went and made something crazy. You know, I'm talking about Evil Dead 2, which is my favorite movie of all time. I'm talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 or um, Hellraiser 2. You know, I, I prefer all of those movies to the first one to kind of like uh, just throw everything at the wall, yeah. crazy splatter horror sequels. So we kind of wanted to make something with that with that kind of energy just to just to just to knock people off their balance after host. Uh, I think you definitely accomplished that in this movie. Uh, when I was watching it, my husband's here and he doesn't watch them all with me. And he kind of yeah. passed by and he said, oh, is this a zombie movie? I said, no, I don't think so. And then he walked by a couple minutes later. He's like, oh, is this an alien movie? He said, no, yeah. I don't think so. And then he's like, oh, it's, an everything it's a movie. cult movie. I said, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think it's either none of those or all of those. And I'm not sure yeah. what I just saw, but I loved it and I need to see it again to catch all those little nuances. The second time through, I was able to see so many things that I feel like I missed the first time Yeah, when I was just, um, you know, trying to take in the whole plot. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the idea, the idea was that we have, the idea was like that it, we thought it'd be fun to have a movie where the main character doesn't really care about what's going on or like, so, so you've got all these kind of, you know, it, the people in the comments are actually yeah. kind of like they're being internet sleuths and they're finding stuff out. And if you follow the comments, the, the people who are watching kind of have more idea than Annie does about what's right. going on. Right. She's just kind of like stumbling from one place, you know, place to the next. 
making things worse as she does so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there's definitely there's definitely kind of mythology there to piece together if if you want it. But um, so speaking of those comments, um, I read so there was about five thousand of them written by you and some other people. Um, were they? Did you say like, hey, just go improvise like you're really watching this? Or did they have a script to drive I the plot them, along or through those kind of trolling comments? We had a couple, a couple of the um, couple of the crew I, I, who had kind of like interesting just in their own lives have have very interesting uh, personalities and voices. We kind of picked out a few people from the crew and I gave them points of view i said you're you're just tuning in for the first time or you're a big fan of annie and she can do no wrong and they you know so they kind of had a point of view and then they watched the movie and, and did the comments oh, okay. and um and from there you know and then i i went and wrote the vast majority of them just, it was just me being schizophrenic and like taking on these different personalities and and then douglas our producer he created this big master spreadsheet where we time coded everything out so all the comments hit at the right time and he ended up taking all the comments and giving them to different characters and making sure that the characters were consistent. And, you know, you can, if you choose to watch the movie and follow one character, uh, you can see they have their own arcs. Like some one, there's one guy who like is, is getting really stoned and he starts freaking out and has a, and has to like log off for a while. And then he comes back and he gets freaked out again. And then there's another person who starts off really skeptical and ends up as a true believer. And there's people who like hate Annie at the beginning and love her at the end. And, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of fun to be had just following these different uh, threads. Oh, yeah. that My favorite was when um, Stretch, like, hurt his foot and someone's like, look at those ugly big feet. And I was like, oh, those are the Internet people. You know, he's yeah, laying yeah, on yeah. the ground, he's bleeding, and they're like, look at his big feet. So, <laughs> um, that's so funny. So, okay, you said Evil Dead 2 is your favorite horror movie. What are some other, who are some of your favorite horror directors and uh, things that you like to watch? Well, Raimi's a big one. Um, I'm lucky enough to be working with him on another film, and he's been, um, we've been developing this and and just getting a sense of how he attacks story and how he develops his ideas, Um, both Host and Dashcam in different respects. I think Host is actually probably more similar to Raimi's sensibility as a storyteller, even though Dashcam is, is kind of closer to his visual craziness. But both of them really have taken such inspiration from kind of learning from him over these past couple of years. I've been working with him, and then who else? I mean, every, every everyone. I mean, you know, uh, Wes Craven, David Cronenberg, Ty West, obviously Gareth, Gareth Evans. These are all people that I've liberally stolen from to make this movie, <laughs> and um, and also oh, oh, Ghost Watch is a huge one. Ghost Watch is like the 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 um, the series the Bam movie yeah. that I always go back to just because it's so perfectly balanced and kind of and kind of does what James one James one ended up kind of like revitalizing the horror genre like 10 years mm-hmm. later with mm-hmm. conjuring but it's all there in ghost watch the kind of um the approach to the scare scenes the balance of um the kind of character intrigue and the and the set pieces it's it's just a perfect movie Oh, that's cool. I'll have to check that one out because I was thinking of there's a series like a British series. I think that's a, a kind of a horror comedy series that I thought was called Ghost Watch, but it's something it is, like a, it is a British. It is a, t- yeah. it's like a TV movie. Like OK, that was it. Yeah. then. All right. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Of. OK. Um, OK. What was the hardest part about making the new film? 
like what was the hardest scenes for you guys to do in found footage or things like that the hardest the hardest the hardest thing was like figuring out um there are a few just a, a few a few set pieces that we really wanted to do but couldn't afford you know we had um we had a bit a bit, a bit more money from from Blumhouse which was great because we were able to to put that on screen um but it really wasn't that much of a leap up in budget from from host especially since we were out and about and the, this was pre kind of industry covid protocols it was much more we were like figuring it out and a lot of our budget went on just keeping everyone safe obviously and and um so we had these big ideas that we wanted to get on screen but not necessarily the money to do it and we you know this is testament to, to douglas the producer who's amazing and never says no to anything he'll always think something through and and try and find an interesting way to come at it we had a scene that i really wanted to do which was a an underwater scene where the car ends up in a lake and filling is filling with water and we just couldn't afford to do it none of the underwater studios would let us do it and so me and doug were talking and we were like well like how much would it cost to just build our own underwater studio and uh and we found out it would be cheaper to actually make our own underwater thing so we got like a shipping container and we filled it full of water and we heated the water up and then we got a crane and we lowered the car in and we just actually orchestrated this whole underwater shoot inside of a shipping container with um uh yeah with the actors inside of this car being dipped in and out by the crane it was kind of crazy but we, we'd always find some some bizarre solution like that that would um you know within the bounds of safety but but also within the bounds of our our meager budget um so just i'll have like two more questions so sure. um in found footage i think since you know you're relying on cell phones or zoom cameras and you mm. have to kind of move the audience's eye the jump scare can either be a complete gimmick or totally effective and this film had one of the most effective jump scares for me i literally went off the couch when they go oh. to see the bride in the car <laughs> so one. when you're directing something that is found footage so you don't have a camera in your hand how are you involved with telling you know i guess annie who's wearing a cell yeah. phone on her head how are you directing someone um it's interesting because like a lot of the a lot of the jump scares it was actually me operating the camera because oh, okay. because I because I needed to get that sense of pacing and the framing and all that stuff. So I'd sometimes sometimes I dress up as and I'm much bigger than Annie, but you kind of get away with it in the movie. Like I dress up as Annie. It's the same as in Host. Like I I play I play almost all of the girls in Host for a lot of those oh. set pieces, just wandering around in their costume, filming their point of views, and um, and then when I'm directing the actors, it's more about it's more about how they pace how they pace themselves through those scenes it's more about their performance like it's it's really it's very much about framing and timing but it's also even more important it's about their performance like if they really sell the idea that they're scared or they they're slowly approaching something and they're nervous and they're trepidatious that makes the audience feel it feel mm -hmm. that way it's, it's 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 much easier to get a jump um if you know if the audience is invested in the in the performance of the actor and they're really selling it and we uh, feel like we're more in their point of view in a found footage, almost like yeah. we're holding the camera or we're in the scene. That's yeah. Um, you've got to feel like you're there shoulder to shoulder with the characters. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of trial and error as well. Okay. So, um, 
you uh, alluded a little bit to what you're doing next, but what what are you doing next? What what where can we see Rob Savage next? What do you have going on that we, we can look finished, forward to? Just finished the shoot for this movie, this this Stephen King adaptation, um, one of his short stories, The Boogeyman, which uh, I can't say very much about, but it, it's it's again it's very it's very different from both host and dashcam. It's um, uh, we've had we've been working off a beautiful script by Mark Hyman who wrote um, Black Swan and we've, we've just got wow. the most incredible cast who give give performances that are going to blow everyone's mind and it's a very it's terrifying it's emotional and it's it's I mean I'm only I'm only a few days into the edit but I'm really proud of it and it's a very different it's a very different kind of horror it's very um, yeah it's very close to me this this next one so I'm really excited to get that out that's um I don't even know when that comes out. They don't tell me anything, but that's the next, that's the next thing anyway. Great. Well, um, Dashcam is showing at Panic Fest on May 1st and 5th. Is it going to do any other um, festival showings or screenings before it's released? Because Bloomhouse is going to release it in the U.S. and the U.K. in early June, which is right yeah, around the corner. Yeah, I think it might be. This is probably the kind of thing that I should know so I can plug <laughs> it. But no, it's... Uh, yeah, it's gonna. I think it's got a couple of other, couple of other little screenings, and then um, June fourth, I think, is when it is when yeah. it comes out. Yeah, June fourth. So here will be my uh, last question. So June third. I'm sorry. I just June third. June third. Oh, June third. I don't know anything. <laughs> Thank you. Close, close. All right. So my last question is. Um, so you had mentioned how when you screened it in the UK, it was in in an audience who were having yeah. fun, having some beers. So do you think this is a film based on the way it's shot that should be seen on the big screen with a big crowd or like watching on your computer? So you feel like you're almost one of Annie's viewers. I think you're going to have a much a better time watching, watching it with a bunch of people. Yeah. I think, I think host is better watched on your laptop on your own after hours. And I think mm -hmm. this movie is best watched drunk with a big audience <laughs> full of people. Cause this, this is a movie that wants you to shout at it and, yes. and laugh and, and you know it wants you to participate and it's much more fun doing that when you're in a crowd of um drunkards so but that's if you if you can't get to the crowd you can watch it drunk yourself, yeah, <laughs> yourself. but what i would say is if you you know if you feel if you feel comfortable with it invite a bunch, invite a bunch of people around um play it loud and uh crack a beer that's what Great. i'd say well, thank you so much, Rob, for talking with us. We are all big fans of your work and cannot wait thank to you. see what comes up next. Looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.